This is uh, Bill Beekman, uh, Vice President and Director of Athletics at Michigan State University. We're joined today by Dr. Sally Nogle, our head athletic trainer. Thanks for joining us, Sally. Thank you for having me. As a head athletic trainer, you've been uh, in, this, in this role for some time. I, I won't say exactly how long, but uh, uh, what, first walk us through what, what is, what is a, a day in the life of an athletic trainer? What, what kinds of things uh, go on? I mean, everybody sees the, the support that, that you provide on the football field and, and other athletic trainers provide during competition, but what, what, is a, what does a day in, in your life look like? I'm going to give you a day in my life pre-COVID, okay? <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Um, well, athletic trainers, we, we arrive here in the morning before the athletes uh, usually like go to work out, go to lift weights, go to their workouts, practices, whatever. And we help get them ready for that. So we might stretch somebody, we might tape somebody, um, might put a splint on, a brace on, whatever they need um, before they go work out um, to do their lifting, their conditioning, or some sports practice in the mornings before their sport. And so you get into here and um, you do that kind of type of thing first off. And then um, there's administrative work at that point in time too, like giving the injury report to a coach. So then you go over the injury report with a coach. So you tell them who's limited today, um, who can do everything, who might not be able to do a certain drill, who's sick, whatever it is, you give the uh, report to a coach. So we create that report and then we show it to the coaches and uh, talk about the athletes, what they can and can't do. Um, then treatment start, continue on through the whole morning. So you're doing rehabilitation all morning long um, for all the injuries that have happened. So you may use modalities like the ultrasound, electrical stim machines, um, heat, cold, and then we do hands-on rehab. So we might be doing um, joint mobilizations or PNF or whatever the techniques are to help that person's injured body part get well as fast as possible. Then we get to the afternoon, like for football, and we do a lot of taping. So we do a lot of taping for football because all their ankles will be taped. Um, some sports might just do more rehab at that point in time, more stretching. Some might do more hands-on, um, just depends. Then the practice comes. And so we go out to practice and we cover the practice and we watch them work out and watch the injured people, um, how they're performing, are they getting better or worse, what's happening there, and then take care of any new injuries. Evaluate any new injuries that happen at practice. After practice, we look at other injuries that happen that maybe they didn't stop and ask us for during practice. We may put ice bags on, um, reevaluate the injuries that were there to see if they are swollen or not, and then start the process all over. <laughs> so it's a long day. It seems like one of the uh, one of the things that's changed a lot over the years is the the uh, the approach to recovery. How you can uh, get a, a a student athlete's body sort of repaired and, and back to normal faster. What kinds of things do you, do you commonly uh, you know, do to, to work on that? What, uh, you, you mentioned ice and uh, you know, one of the things I always see after football practice are the, uh, the cold pools that the guys go in, which seems absolutely horrific to me, but, uh, but, but they jump in those things uh, like it's a good thing. Yes, they like the cold tubs and um, yeah, they get in there. Some guys will get in there, you know, to their ankles. Some will go to their knees. Some will go all the way, you know, to their chest height or whatever. I don't know how they do it either personally. I don't think I would do it, but um, we use a lot of cold tubs, but we use compression too. We use rolling out, you know, rolling out's a big thing nowadays. We talk a lot about hydration, sleep and nutrition, because that's the best way to recover, to be honest, to get your sleep, 
Um, we like these athletes to get eight or nine hours. It doesn't happen very often, but we do like them to get eight or nine hours of sleep. Um, that's what they need at that age. And for the body day, recover faster and better. Um, we talk about hydration because if you're hydrated, you recover faster and then nutrition can help you with recovery. So our, our dietitians um, help the athletes know what to take and what, when to take it. And that helps them recover also. So between compression units, rolling out, ice tubs, lifestyle, I'll call it, that helps the athletes recover faster. With all of the fancy technology and tools and other things available to us, it sort of comes down to kind of what your mom told you when you were in high school. Get a good night's rest, uh, you know, eat healthy and uh, take care of yourself. And those are the, uh, the, the biggest keys towards wellness for for people or, or for our student athletes. Yep. You all should listen to your moms. I'll say that for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it is true. It is true. Some of this stuff has been around for years. We know it does, does good for our body. We know that, you know, you learn better when you sleep. We know that you can, you know, the, the way the brain works when you sleep, that you can, all the things that you learn in the day are, are solidified better into your long-term memory. You know, we know all that science, but these young people want the quick fix some other way. And it really isn't there. You really need to do the things you have to do. But you're right. The other stuff we do, you know, the science shows that the basics are still there and have been for years. As I said, you've been doing this for a while. What has changed over the years? What uh, what did you do in in the uh, decades past that uh, either you, you scratch your head and think, "Oh my goodness, I couldn't, can't believe we did that back then," or or what do we do now that uh, that might have seemed unimaginable? 20 years ago. Well, yeah, when I first started, um, some of the things are crazy. You think about the surgeries. If someone had like a meniscus here in the knee, their season was done. You had to open them up and the season was over. And people had trick knees where it lacked really probably people that didn't have ACLs, to be honest, we call it a trick knee because it shifted on them or whatever. Whereas now you have arthroscopy and now you can fix the ACL. Um, the PCL, another ligament in the knee, you know, we never fixed before. Now we can fix those, you know, doctors can fix those. Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing is these athletes are going now year round, whereas I don't think, you know, when I first started it, they always had a more of an off season. And so um, trying to help them through that year round athletics and making sure they do get some rest and recovery in there away from their sport or away from the repetitiveness of it is something we deal with now that we didn't deal with 25 years ago. Um, concussions obviously have changed immensely. You know, we did what we thought was best at the time. There was concussion protocols that we followed and we followed them and believed in them because that's what we were told by the, the neurosurgeons in the country or whatever. And in the end, obviously it wasn't the right advice. And so now we're, you know, we've changed what we do. Um, they don't go back into a game again if they've had a concussion. Whereas before they cleared up in 15 minutes, you could put them back in. Um, we would never do that now. We think that'd be terrible. But back then that was the norm and you were following what was best practices at that point in time. So that part's changed a lot. I think some of our modalities that we have now to treat injuries have improved. Um, there's a lot more knowledge. You know, the research that's been done in athletic training is um, in, improved a lot and sports medicine's improved a lot. So we now know the techniques that will help us get an athlete back but, you know, faster or the surgery that's better to do than we did before. Um, so, we've, you know, we've had a lot of advances in 25 years. So we, tr we try hard to make sure that we have athletic training services available to all of our student athletes across all 25 sports. But, you know, what are the differences? Obviously, a, a football player has different issues, perhaps, than a, than a rower, where your sport really is a, a very sing, a sort of singular repetitive motion as compared to, uh, you know, a, a, a wrestler who's, uh, uh, you know, it just has a, has a different set of issues. What are the, are, are our athletic trainers 
interchangeable or do they tend to focus on uh, a particular sport that's of interest or, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and how do we treat those sports differently? Um, as athletic trainers, you, you can, you can treat, I could work, I think any sport I, that came about, I could work it and you learn it quickly what the nuances are of it. But since we're here for healthcare, we look, you know, you learn the injuries and, and illnesses and things that you have to treat. You do get like football has more collision type injuries, obviously rowing, you're to look more at backs, maybe in wrist. So you have people that specialize in, in track and field that they, you know, maybe the cross country runners that learn more about the gait cycle and more about repetitive running. So some people do, you specialize in, you know, start liking what you like, you know, so I, I like the contact sport and the acute injuries versus the overuse injuries. That's, you know, something I like. Some people like overuse injuries better. So some people like swimming with shoulder injuries more. So, you, you know, you kind of get that way. But as an athletic trainer with our skill set that we have to be licensed and certified, um, you technically could switch sports in a minute and still be able to work it. You wouldn't know the nuances of it. Like a gymnast has a special grip they wear or whatever. You wouldn't know that until you work it, but you could learn it. So I feel like as athletic trainers, you could switch sports. You know, some people at high school cover all sports, obviously. Um, but I do think that people do get a sport they kind of love sometimes and you start getting into that and you get that niche and, and you get very specialized. Um, but it doesn't mean you can't go cover something else. Like this week, I've covered rowing and field hockey and football. So you can cover a variety. <laughs> so over the years, is it your your sense that, you know, so take uh, uh, cross country as, as one example. As, as the uh, uh, technology of footwear has evolved, uh, the, as, as running shoes have evolved over the years, does that, does that make your job easier or, or harder or does it not make any difference? Yeah, I would say as the technology evolves, it helps us out. So the fact that, you know, like the Nike shoes, they, they put time into doing their technology, they put time into researching the injuries and, and, and how they work for sports, you know, is it, and some athletes weigh a lot more than others and some have wider feet than others. And, and the fact that they take that into account is huge for the athletes and huge for us is for injuries. Cause if you have too wide a foot on a, on a narrow shoe, it's hanging over, you're more susceptible to some foot injuries. You know, if a runner doesn't have good arch support and they have a high arch foot, they may have more injuries. So the fact that the shoe companies have tried to make some, some strides in that pun intended. Um, I think it's uh you know, it's, it's been good. It's been very valuable to us in the field. The job of an athletic trainer is pretty challenging on a normal day, but uh, in the environment that we've been in now for almost a year with the pandemic, you know, I, I know that's, that's tremendously changed the, the work that you all do uh, on the front end in terms of working with our student athletes on our testing protocols and so on. How, how has that uh, impacted, uh, impacted our, our athletic training team? Um, it is, it's impacted us a lot significantly because we have to um, help with the testing to help set up the testing that we're doing, um, get the athletes to the testing, depending on if it's antigen or PCR testing. And then we deal with the positives. So then we have to determine, you know, who's in isolation. And we help the um, university physician, Dr. Wiseman, and we help the um, local health department and try and do contact tracing. And so, cause we don't want, you know, they, they have a lot going on. And so if we can help them and contact trace before they get to them and already have people in quarantine, um, that helps a lot and also keeps us from spreading the um, virus. So we're really trying to um, do our part and prevent the COVID from spreading, um, obviously hoping that they don't get in the first place. But if our athletes do, and we wanna help prevent them from spreading that um, virus to other people, um, since we are in close contact in sport, 
and trying to do our best there. So it's been a lot of hours testing, following up. We worked in pods for a while, so that spread out the practices to, you know, you can't just have one team practice. You may have had three or four practices in a day or 12 practices in a day for football in the summer. Um, to get those covered. So what ca- what caused you to uh, to go into this field? What caused you to, to to be interested in being an athletic trainer? Well, when I went to college, I didn't even know about athletic training because it was a while ago. But I, I met an athletic trainer while I was in college and um, did and I wanted to do something in healthcare. I knew I wanted to do something in healthcare. And so once I found that out and I love sports, um, it's a, kind of a typical response of an athletic trainers. We love sports. We love healthcare. And it combines the two of them. So you know, that gave me my start there. I went to San Diego State and the head athletic trainer there was a brilliant man. And so I was very fortunate because I could have been in a school that didn't have a good athletic trainer and I would have not even known anything of what I should do or not know. And he uh, he taught me very well. And so I was very fortunate that I happened to fall into that if just by chance. And so from sunny San Diego, what brought you to East Lansing? Actually, the job here at Michigan State did. They, back in the day, they had a hotline you called to find out what jobs were open in the country. And this job was open. And so I sent my you know, resume in there. I had to go to the library to type up a resume and I did and sent it in and, and they called me and I was very surprised. So then, yeah, I interviewed and I was shocked that I got the job, to be honest, and told my husband I'd come out here and we could live here for a couple of years and we'll go back to California. And we never did. <laughs> <laughs> so you've, you've uh, been our, not only our head athletic trainer, but the, the head athletic trainer for football. And so you've had the opportunity to work with a whole host of coaches over the years to be in the, uh, in the locker room after lots of wins and, and, uh, and unfortunately a number of losses as well. What, uh, did you have a, a, a favorite moment or a, uh, a, a favorite win from your, your many years on the sidelines? Um, I would say so. my favorite wins would be the Rose Bowl wins. And then the Cotton Bowl win was pretty special. First bowl game win was with, Coach D, that was pretty special. There's been a lot of, you know, some last minute, the last minute ones are always exciting. I always say it's going to be really fun win or really bummer loss. I think the other moment would be Amp Campbell. You know, he broke his neck and we were at Oregon. And then a year later, whatever, we came back and we played them here. And he picked up a fumble and ran it back for a touchdown. And when I, that was just like, wow, because I never thought he'd make it back to playing. So my, one of my memories that was really special. Ho Ching, the lone setback. They'll hand to him, and Julian Peterson's got him in the backfield. Ball is fumbled. It's picked up by Amp. Amp Campbell's at midfield. Amp Campbell's going to fly in for a touchdown for the Spartans. Wow! It couldn't have happened to a better guy. Thank you, Scott Moore. Audio courtesy of the Spartan Sports Network. And you all, as athletic trainers, are really on the front line of those recoveries working with those student athletes every day and, uh, and helping them get better and stronger and, uh, you know, and recover so that they can compete again. Yeah. That's why our jobs are great. We get to see them, you know, they get the highs and the lows as they go through the rehab process and then to see them compete, which is what their ultimate goal was and do well. It's, it's, it's really exciting. Makes it all worth it. All that work for that. They have to put the work in. We just got to work with them, but yeah, it's, it's worth it. Are there technologies that have uh, that have changed over the years? Are there uh, pieces of equipment that make your job easier or solve problems that maybe seemed unsolvable 20 years ago? There, there are definitely more modalities like lasers and things that we did not have before. Um, you know, some things were in fashion back, you know, diathermies were more popular, kind of making a comeback. 
but I really believe in the exercise portion of it all. I believe in the hands-on that, you know, Michigan State has the Auspect Medical School, um, Dr. Greenman, Dr. Brum, and those who are the, you know, the leaders in that field of, of muscle energy for helping the body get realigned and all that. They taught us that. They, they taught us how to do all those techniques. And so I think realigning an athlete or getting things moving that weren't moving, that isn't moving well, like if a joint isn't moving well or, or um, lack of range of motion or whatever, you do that and then you get the athlete doing exercises that gets the athlete back faster than anything. We can, we can use all the machines and modalities, but we have to convince them that you can lay there and have modalities on you, but you'll heal a lot faster if we get you moving and get you up and doing the exercises because that's what heals the body. Very good. Well, uh, we've really enjoyed learning about athletic training, athletic training at Michigan State, uh, the evolution of the field and how extraordinarily valuable it is for our student athletes here at Michigan State. So Sally, I can't thank you enough for joining us on the program today. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it.